0: Welcome to our Curated Chatter Friday feature. I'm Paige. Namana. And, and we're so excited to be virtually interviewing artist Gabrielle Banks today, a rising contemporary artist who explores issues of
1: race, gender, and identity in her works of art. Drawing from personal experiences as a woman of color and heavily inspired by her environment, Banks uses a distinct color palette to demonstrate the connection between female form and nature.
0: Born in Nassau, Bahamas, in 1997, Banks has grown up with the influence
1: of Bahamian art throughout her lifetime. Following a solo exhibition during the summer of 2017 at the National Art Gallery of the Bahamas, Banks is considered to be one of the Bahamas' most exciting immersion artists. So, thank
0: you so much for joining us. At the start of every interview we do, we like to ask our curated chatter three. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, do you have a favorite museum?
2: Um, yeah, I, I think I do. I really love the um, Isabel Gardner Museum in Boston. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time I went there was on a school trip from Porter's, actually, oh, really? where Anna and I went to high school together um (laughs) with Greer who's like our painting professor so yeah
1: it's definitely up there for me it's a very exciting museum especially with all the um, controversies surrounding the stolen paintings and stuff
0: yeah we talked about it on a previous episode yeah
1: um now the second question do you have what's your coffee shop order do you have a go-to order
2: I don't often order in coffee shops because I feel like they're always burning the coffee, Um, but (laughs) if I do, like, I'll either just get, like, a regular black coffee with milk, or if I'm feeling fancy, I'll order a latte. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And then do you have an early art memory you can share with us?
2: I think, like, the earliest, earliest memory I have of just making art in general is with my godmother, um, because she's actually the one that introduced me to just making art in general, like, really supported that as something that I could do as a career path. Um, I don't know how old I was. She's been my godmother since I was born, so we're just – we're going to say day one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So now we're going to get into the main part of the interview. And to start us off, something kind of related. Um, When did you start painting?
2: I started painting casually, kind of like as a hobby, all through high school um, you know, you just have, like, general art classes that you do, and I really, like, took an interest to that, but I don't think I took painting as a practice seriously until I, yeah, again, went to Porter's and Mm -hmm. was introduced to the arts department there. I'd never really been in facilities that are, like, as beautiful as that, where You have, like, a studio space, and it's, like, everything that's around you is, like, pouring into your creative knowledge and is, like, helping facilitate a productive environment for you, to just make things. Um, Mm. So I think that was like the initial introduction to me, um, being like really interested as a painter and like starting that as my potential career path. We'll see how that goes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then we know that you went to RISD. Did you always want to go to art school or how did that come about?
2: I actually went from the Bahamas to boarding school because I was really interested in writing and I wanted to become a writer but my um first year English teacher reporters Porter is like kind of shut that down I mean she's an amazing <laughs> teacher and I love her dearly and she's definitely one of the best teachers I've ever had and she helped mm-hmm. facilitate a lot of things for me in terms of my writing practice and I really wouldn't be the writer that I am if I can even consider myself to be a writer but my writing right. skills wouldn't be as developed as they are without her um but yeah, wait, can you repeat the question again? I'm sorry, I went on a total tangent.
0: No, it's fine. <laughs> Did you know that you always wanted to go to art school?
2: Oh, right, yeah. Um. Yeah, so yeah, originally writing, and then I think after spending a few more years in the studio, Greer, um, Porter's his painting professor, he has been like a mentor to me and a dear friend for as long as I can remember, introduced me to RISD's pre-college program, and mm-hmm. that's where I went and found that I really just like didn't imagine a world where you can just go to school for four years and just exclusively make art and that's something that you can do like that just kind of felt intangible at Porter's especially like Porter's is like generally arts centered and to some degree but mm-hmm. not that many people go and delve into the arts as a potential career so Um, he really like helped open my eyes to that being a possibility and going to Rizzy's pre-college program definitely helped like solidify those dreams for me. So the next question
1: is kind of related to what we're talking about and it's just how did boarding school shape your art? I feel like when I met you you were always painting and like that's just like my first memories of you are um, of you painting but and it sounds like it greatly shaped your art but as you said even though it's kind of art related it's not solely focused on the arts so did you have any like bad experiences or
2: um, was it just positive ones I think looking back I can only really review my artistic time there is something that's that's positive I think in general like when you're in a place like Farmington like you can just feel very isolated so like when you're there like you have a lot of negative feelings and like sentiments around being in it's like really tiny Connecticut village, basically, <laughs> um, surrounded by like exclusively white people. And it definitely is like very isolating and being an artist in that community as well can feel somewhat isolating as well in terms of the type of work that you can make. And even like when having nude models in the space to, to make work felt kind of like taboo um, based on the kind of like conservative nature that's a part of that school, at least how it was when I was there. Mm-hmm. um so I think like looking back now I don't I can't say anything bad about my experience there because it really has just like shaped me to who I am today and you know in lieu of the Porter's motto of shaping a changing world um so I can't I can't imagine anything yeah negative coming coming out of that but there are definitely some challenges in terms of exploring new mediums like oil painting um but you always have like such a strong support system at at that school there really is such a bond that you develop from everyone there and like how you connect with with people even like not on artistic level just shapes the type of work that you're making and the type of work that you're excited to make too because it's there's just constant positivity and uplifting and like Sometimes even like a sickening kind of way when you're like 16 and like you're angsty and angry about the world and everyone's telling you that like there's daisies and roses everywhere, you know. Um, but it definitely was like a very memorable and, and I'm very thankful for that for that experience and for those years for sure. This answer was so
1: beautiful. I just yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about my own experience and it's just really good to hear yours.
0: And I cannot imagine living in such a small town because I've never done it. Yeah. (laughs) LA girl. Yeah. (laughs) But also kind of going off of that, how did you balance academics with your art practice? And was that like a defining factor in your decision to go
2: to RISD? The interesting thing is, is that people often tell you that, that high school was a lot more difficult than college because- in college like you're you're held to yourself like you're responsible for everything that you do no one's gonna you know hold you accountable for attending classes and it's like this big scary world from Farmington where you know if someone's holding your hand the whole way to college where you're kind of like out in this big sea of people that you don't really know and you're on your own um so for me that like challenge of balancing academics and painting was really important to me because so many other things fuel my painting practice and so many other things fuel my creative practice so maintaining that balance has always been really imperative to me I've always really loved doing like other things that are outside of painting um and so I really appreciated all of my other classes that I had at Porter's I remember like there's always kind of like This, like, competitiveness that's there with that too of, like, how many hours you're sleeping or how much work you're doing or it's like, oh, I'm taking 30 APs and you're only taking 27 kind of status, you know what I mean? So there's definitely, like, a competitiveness that's a part of that culture that kind of fuels you to want to be able to balance and juggle more things at the same time. So I felt really prepared for college and being able to have a lot on my plate just from the type of energy that you're surrounded by in terms of like an academic sense at Porter's and being in a boarding school environment, so. So nice. Um,
1: (laughs) And then while you were in college, you also um, completed a semester abroad at the Slead School of Fine Art in London. How was that? How did that um, help your practice? London is such an art hub, so I can imagine it helped a lot.
2: My desires to take a semester abroad were actually fueled by wanting to be closer to, to home so mm-hmm. quick background I'm, I'm half British so my dad is British so I spend a lot of time growing up as a kid in the north of England and it's only like a three and a half hour train ride or something like that so it's like commuting from Providence to New York to go from London to the north where my family was living so I really needed time away from RISD's culture and really these like kind of toxic work environment that happens because it's such a competitive nature in that school like more so because you're having people coming from so many different backgrounds that are coming from like the tops of like their perspective classes and the arts and you go from like being one of the best in your school to just being one of many mm-hmm. and it felt like it was slowly debilitating my ability to perform well in my painting practice because, you know, you're constantly compared to the person next to you or the three people next to you. And so I really needed to like step away and enter a new environment where I was closer to family. I knew that I could like experience more love from um, that proximity and I could really just not feel tied to an institution and have my work feel that it's tied to that institution as well. And so being at Slade, I got to develop New relationships with so many great artists that are super talented and have such excitement and joy in painting. Like, it really reminded me of, like, there is also, like, a joy of painting. It's not just, like, this labor-intensive, super emotional thing that you have to do all the time. It doesn't have to be meaningful in all aspects. Like, you can just paint something for the act of painting. And it really reshaped my relationship to what that meant for me being there for that period of time um and so yeah I'm really thankful for my professors that I met there that helped me understand that you know it's okay to make a bad painting or like it's okay to just you know not really know what you're doing right now and it, it really assured me in a time that I knew I was gonna have to like confront those things and figure out what I wanted to do because I would be graduating the next semester because so mm-hmm. I decided to take this gap semester my first semester of senior year which like no one does um like literally no one does this (laughs) and I don't know it really cleared things out for me it made me take a step back and have a different perspective on how to finish my year at RISD and Mm -hmm. actually enjoy that time and not feel resentful at all for those four years because it's really easy to just fall into an institution and feel that they're constantly taking from you and you forget How much you've evolved from like the first day that you got there you know
0: yeah i could not agree more i know when i studied abroad taking that step back like it really does make you appreciate the environment you have yeah exactly but moving a little bit away from academics you had an exhibition at the national art gallery of the bahamas how did that come about like that's such an exciting opportunity
2: yeah that was that was really awesome um so Holly Baino, who's the curator of the National Art Gallery, she's not really working in there anymore, but reached out to me. I can't remember how we managed to become connected, but it kind of like felt like some like magical intervention kind of thing where she just kind of fell into my life. Um, and yeah, she came to my house in the Bahamas and I showed her all of my paintings. Cause at the time at the end of each painting semester, I would go back home roll up all my paintings, bring them back with me and store them in my mom's house (laughs) and keep them there because I didn't know where I was going to be. And I didn't have the luxury of just like, you know, keeping them at my friend's house somewhere in the city or whatever. You know, that's just Mm -hmm. one of those advantages of being an international student. Like you don't really feel a sense of stability for a long time. Um, so I had to go home and return these paintings and it was for the best because I had a whole collection of work that I could show her when she came by to do like a at home wasn't a studio like I had no studio yeah. but I <laughs> guess you can like call it that and we connected and she like proposed that we do a solo at the National Art Gallery because she really loved my work and the content and things that I was talking about at the time about like reclaiming the Black femme body and just, like, the general canon of art Mm -hmm. history and what that looks like um, from, like, my perspective and just, like, a general context of being a Black woman. And, yeah, it was really exciting. It was the first time I'd ever really shown my work anywhere. And in the Bahamas, which, again, is, like, a very, like, conservative environment, I was super nervous to explore those works there. But it gave me a boost of confidence, but I definitely felt kind of insecure about my position in relationship to all of those things as well
1: yeah that's exciting though congrats yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you also have had your work exhibited and sold at Sotheby's um what kind of exposure did that give you
2: I'm not sure if I got that much exposure from Sotheby's I was kind of just blown away in general that Anna Mm -hmm. Swinburne had asked me to be a part of that exhibition to begin with I think I was in the RISD library because I didn't have a computer at the time, and Mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of time there, and I just loved the library Mm -hmm. in general. And she called me or sent me an email or texted me saying that she wanted me to be in the show, and I kind of quickly put her on mute and then screamed (laughs) in the (laughs) the library Um, because I knew the list of artists that were going to be a part of it too, and... I don't know. It was a very humbling experience. I'm mm-hmm. I felt really nervous about not thinking that my work was ready enough to be in that kind of right. level of like of an artistic environment. I was oh, really insecure about the work too, because it was new work that I was making in like a different direction to the work that I was making before. And I was like trying to focus more on like sexual violence and like my own personal experiences rather than like the black femme collective as a whole. Mm -hmm. um and just really making work that felt good for me but wasn't targeted to a specific audience and I felt like that was just the complete opposite of what was going on at Sotheby's at the time yeah um but it was an incredible experience like I got connected with so many amazing artists like even Catherine Bradford
1: which Mm -hmm. blows my
2: mind to this day and it's really interesting because we're actually working with her and she's gonna do a show at my job this summer at the Carpenter Center. <laughs> so that's gonna that's be amazing. great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then I know you mentioned this like insecurity or intimidation by these larger institutions. Did those feelings go away once your work was put on display, or was it something you struggled with like throughout the process?
2: I think prior to the opening, I was really nervous my my mom was gonna come and my mom's like best friend was gonna come but being in a community again of like familiarity of like borders and seeing so many familiar faces and reconnecting with people that I hadn't spoken to in, in in literal years um really took all of those feelings away and all those like insecurities away and I think it kind of taught me that you're always gonna have people behind you that are supporting you in the work that you're doing that's all that really matters um mm-hmm. and whether or not how the work is perceived and if you know if things go to like a wrong turn or something you have a community of people that are there to support you and support the work and as so long as that like, you believe in the work that you're making and you know you think that like you're making things that are important to you and that are helping you develop And, like, if you hone in and focus on those things, like, all of the insecurities and and fears kind of just, like, dissolve away.
1: And um, speaking of things going (laughs) in the wrong turn, how has COVID-19 affected your creative process?
2: I think COVID plus graduating really just, like, stabbed my, like, painting process, (laughs) like, in the heart and then Mm -hmm. threw dirt on it and then buried it. Um, I think... Once you graduate college and you enter the real world, or if you have like the ability to like enter the workforce, your priorities really shift and like, even just how you work day to day really just completely shifts. And I felt really confident and I was really excited about the work that I was making when I graduated. Mm -hmm. And I went to this residency in Vermont for a month afterwards and the thing with like art school too is that there's there's so many expectations and they make it seem that there's like this linear format that you have to follow and then Mm. that will ultimately give you the path to success and that's how you're going to be successful if you attend like x amount of residencies and you can do x amount of things and it's like you are destined to be you know a successful practicing painter like independently And I felt like if I didn't achieve those things, then I would like ultimately be a failure. And Mm -hmm. that was a really hard thing for me to get over because I couldn't see myself constantly just going to the middle of the woods and just making art for a month (laughs) with like all of these other people that are just (laughs) completely different places in their career and cannot relate to me at all. And it really just kind of debilitated my practice and my ability to make things because I was so consumed by my ability to perform and the work that I'm making and like this expectation of excellence that I set for myself. Um, And then also just like also trying to like juggle a job that I really care about um, and realizing that I, now I'm, I'm never gonna be able to just do one thing because again like like we were talking about before like balancing academics and arts i think that's just going to be something that that sticks with me forever like i need mm-hmm. to be doing multiple things at a time like i need to be having it doing a job that i really care about that's arts related but challenges me academically and challenges me in general and something mm-hmm. else that i can pour into into my creative practice and i think right now i'm still trying to figure out how to balance those two things without either of them suffering, so.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. And then obviously, so many galleries and fairs and museums have been shut down as a result of COVID. Did it impact any of your upcoming plans?
2: Uh, For sure. COVID, Rona put a wrench in everything. She really did. Um, she, she threw a wrench into everything. <laughs> I had a lot of plans about going to grad school about, um, like even like moving and all of these things. And COVID definitely grounded me and realized that, okay, like you're actually not ready to go to grad school. Um, you should probably take some time to really figure out what you want to do before you move on to that next step and making sure that like you're going to school and it's going to like help uplift you in the path that you want to go to. And so I think, I've been trying to take this time as a blessing and a moment to really pause and hone in on my skill set and hone in on I don't know learning more things about myself and the boundaries and my limitations and and what I can really put on my plate and and what I can what I can focus on and what I can't focus on if if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I
0: think that's a positive to take away from this experience is that ability to hone in on
1: yourself. For sure. And now moving into um what you like your practice and what you do, do you work on multiple pieces at a time or do you focus on one and then move into the next?
2: Um, I think for me it really depends on on scale. If I'm working on a larger piece, it feels like I'm working on multiple pieces because you're mm-hmm. you're kind of moving around in that like larger space. If I'm working on smaller works, then I'm, I'm definitely working on multiple things at a time or I'm finishing things very quickly that it feels like I'm working on multiple things at a time. I've like recently decided that I don't need to finish a painting in its entirety and in, in one sitting, like in one session. So mm-hmm. if that session is like over a period of three months, like it doesn't need to be done, like it's okay to revisit unfinished projects. And that's something that I'm definitely learning in my post graduation self. That it's okay to come back and revisit projects and let them rest for a little bit.
0: And many of your works are oil on canvas. Do you ever experiment with other mediums, either successfully or unsuccessfully?
2: Um, I think I'm I'm so deeply in love with oil painting as a medium. Mm. Um, because of its versatility that I have no desire to explore anything else like I know that sounds (laughs) insane but I'm I'm really I'm just so in love with with oil painting um I've like definitely tried different surfaces which I don't even really think counts as a variety to be honest with you Mm -hmm. but I've occasionally worked on like masonite which I enjoy doing um and like I'll do different surfaces I'll prime my canvas with different surfaces Mm -hmm. um so like sometimes I'll use like or different grounds sorry. Sometimes I'll use a an oil ground or I'll just do like you know like a clear primer so that like the natural canvas is like my starter versus the white. Um, but yeah there's something about oil paints and like the luminosity of the colors that it gives you. There's just like such a vibrance and a richness there that is really hard to achieve from from anything else. So
1: yeah
2: if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah for sure. Definitely. Um, who or what are your biggest sources of inspiration?
2: Um, and know this is going to sound really corny, but my both my parents really inspire me. Um, mm-hmm. They do. I always feel really like, hesitant to make work about them because of how personal a relationship is. Mm-hmm. But they they really do just strive for like to help me be a better person and a, a better artist. They really support my artistic practice and I, I'm I'm super thankful for their support of putting me through eight years of school. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know, just be willing to have conversations about about the work occasionally. Like they're not productive, of course, all the time, but mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the effort that they put in and I appreciate the love that they pour into me. Um also like all of my friends are it's really supportive and are basically like family to me and we all kind of feel like we go through the same things at the same time because we you know we graduated together and so right. it's really reassuring to know that someone else is like living through the same experience that you are but like somewhere else so it's yeah. been really important to me to hold on to those relationships and it's been important to me too to like practice like more honesty with them as well so that I can be better supported and so that they can support me and so that I can support them
0: <laughs> And then do you have a favorite artist and kind of like in the same vein what artists have influenced your practice?
2: I'm always feel like I'm like looking at a lot of artists at once because I I'm inspired by you know by a lot of people and I I look to them to like help get out of, like, the niches that I have in my work or the patterns that I have or find ways to challenge myself by imitating them. their work. Mm-hmm. But I think consistently, I am was introduced to Gauguin by Greer, who's, like, Greer's number one painter. Like, Greer, Greer loves loves Gauguin. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, like, remember being in, in studio and, and constantly using his work as an inspiration or as, um, I guess, like, a starting point on... At least with like color and, and form and composition and and he really has just been like a fundamental teacher for me for for painting that that's whole true for a very long time like despite the controversy of him as an individual but right his his work is I don't know I think it's really shaped and transformed the way that I think about color at least in my work for sure
1: I can definitely see that yeah
2: actually, I was now gonna you say, mention it yeah. I see
1: the influence definitely yeah. Um, You also do a lot of self-portraiture, so do you ever hesitate putting yourself in your works? Um, I I can't imagine that makes you feel vulnerable or exposed.
2: It's really funny because when I was in the UK, they told me that I was a narcissist for (laughs) (laughs) constantly painting myself, which I thought was really funny because they were painting like dogs and diamonds. And I was like, okay, because your content (laughs) is so much more interesting (laughs) um but I don't know it's it's a struggle to to paint yourself sometimes but it's also a lot easier especially when when you're putting yourself in the work to the extent that that I've been like these are are legitimate experiences that I'm trying to like relay onto a two-dimensional surface so putting anyone else in there just just feels feels wrong it feels foreign it feels like it shouldn't be anyone else but me And uh, yeah, and I can abstract that body as much as I want. But at the end of the day, like I know it's inherently coming from me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really ever really feel any complexities around it because I couldn't imagine it being anyone, anyone else. Do your
0: friends ever ask to be put in your work or just to be painted by you? Yeah, so
2: I have this friend who's this like white, tall, six foot, three or four (laughs) Frenchman who keeps asking if I can paint him, which I think is hilarious considering, like, most of my, my paintings are <laughs> <laughs> not of that context. <laughs> um, I still haven't, like, fulfilled the request because um, I, just, I just haven't. And I also – I'm kind of scared about how I'll paint him or what he'll look like after <laughs> I paint him. Yeah. Um, but maybe one day i'll probably make a drawing of him or something for for his birthday because he's been asking for a long time
1: very That's sweet nice. <laughs> and um just about your personal life a little bit what was your experience growing up in Nassau like and how has Bahamian culture
2: influenced your work growing up on the bahamas is i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of really great things about it um Uh, All all my family are are there and and the island is so small that you're constantly connected to people. Mm -hmm. And so moving from that to the farm town of village town of Farmington was (laughs) surreal. Um, But (laughs) my my family members being in such close proximity to me really shaped and prepared me for, for school and prepared me for independence of being able to be you know, abroad or be in the U.S. on my own independently. And the relationships that I have with them definitely impacted how much of, like, I guess, a people person that I am and how building Mm -hmm. really meaningful relationships is, is integral to me and to how I exist as a human being. So all of that really, like, prepared me and, like, I think has contributed to how... I paint and my relationship to painting in terms of the level of care that's, that's a part of that process Um, and how each painting kind of feels like a personal connection that I have with someone in some weird way Um, and definitely the vibrancy of the Bahamas and how colorful it is has impacted my relationship to color and the work and how important it is for me to like have an aspect of my home and my culture in that as well, so.
0: And then shifting directions a little bit, what is your relationship with social media? And have you ever sold any of your works like over Instagram or a similar platform?
2: I get a lot of um, fake DMs about people wanting to buy work or ask for a commission. Then <laughs> I always say yes, because you never say no to an opportunity and often I never get a response or someone just wants to take me out to lunch or something or just uh in a romantic way not even like a let's be friends way like I'm just trying to get to know you kind of way um which I always slightly decline I aggressively decline um but I think social media has become a really great great tool for kind of like an encyclopedia of figuring out new artists and being connected to people that you necessarily wouldn't be connected to so I love using it in that way but I also hate the performativity that comes with it also and having I think it's great that you can reshape yourself but I also hate that like it's so easy to do that also um and so I'm always really afraid about posting work or posting too much of my like personal life and my process because I I really do love some level of privacy in those aspects like graduating and not being in a student environment it's the first time that I can have like a private practice that is not being critiqued or reviewed or or looked at constantly so I'm less hesitant to share my work via social media recently because of that because I am enjoying these like private moments that I have for you know, being a recent graduate, that's definitely not going to be showing in the Whitney anytime soon, you know? So, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, I think social media is great. I love, I love social media. I love having access to that. I love being able to discover new people, learn about new shows. I, I've applied to so many open calls and virtual exhibitions through Instagram. I think it's, Mm -hmm an amazing resource for artists right now. Um, and I think it's a great place to obtain information about new artists and new shows and new works. Um, I think it's great for like the general artist community. Um, I'm just not ready to be a part of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> makes sense. It's fair, it's a fair yeah, stand. Yeah, <laughs> um, You are so young and already so successful and I really admire you so much. Um, But
2: where do you see your art going? What are some future goals you have? I think my next goal is definitely just finishing school. I think I'll probably, excuse me, go back to Grout Tool maybe in three or four years. My mom is watching this. She's going to scream. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's like, next year. (laughs) Um, And hopefully after that, I'll, I'll have a better grasp of of what I want to do and the type of work that I want to be making and, and feel that I can set a steady course, but that feels so far away from now that I have, I have no idea. And especially with something like COVID Everything happening. Yeah. Especially with something yeah. like COVID, yeah. like the idea of planning for anything now just feels like such a foreign concept. Um, you know, even if things like men should become resolved in that aspect, like I don't think I can ever really make like a five year plan, or, like a 10 year plan. Um, but I, I'm excited to really explore my current position and my job and grow within that. And I'm excited to see the work that I will make from all of these experiences and how they'll pour into the image making. Um but yeah, I've I've decided to not make plans. That's fair.
1: Yeah. We love no plans. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Can you talk
0: a little bit about this other job that you have right now and how you're balancing that with your current art practice?
2: Yeah, so I started my work at the Carpenter Center. Mm -hmm. It's a smaller, I guess, yeah, it's a smaller gallery within Harvard University. And it is the only Corbusier building in North America, fun fact. um I feel like I'm doing like an ad campaign for my (laughs) job now (laughs) um yeah I started there in October I have been doing gallery-based work all through college I did a lot of work study I did a lot of like TA-ing and I did a lot of like just general like gallery monitoring um and so I felt like combining those things I wanted to have more of like an educational role and also like a more artistic centered like gallery based job and so my position at the carpenter center really worked for that because I get to interact with the visitors a lot and just kind of like expand their knowledge on the work and also just kind of like interact with them on a personal level because I also really do love meeting people and talking to them about art so yeah it's been great my position has definitely changed a lot since COVID I've been doing a lot of different work for them recently um yeah we're like looking to like downsize our our space right now and we're trying to prepare for a summer exhibition if possible with Catherine Bradford and Deidre Brackens which I'm really excited about Mm -hmm. um I am really thankful for the position because there's so much versatility in, in what I can do there. And there's a lot more space for me to grow within that and, and learn new skills about exhibitions, management and, and preparation and the installation and installation and all those things. And I'm excited to have another aspect of the art world. That's not just me making things for it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to How these things will turn out in three years on report back.
1: Yes, I was going to say it's so great. You get to see both sides of the coin. So you're
2: not only making art, but um, also
1: like preparing exhibitions and like reaching out to other artists and things like that. Because I feel like as artistry majors, I was actually talking to one of my friends this week and he was like, Oh, do people ever ask you if you like, when you tell them you're an artistry major, if you make your own art and I was like all the time but like I actually don't all make any time. art <laughs> right. but now you can say you do both <laughs> so I'm jealous <laughs> but um just our last question do you have any advice for a young artist or people who are starting their careers and like the visual arts especially during these really like hard times
2: I think just like do your best really like that's that's all you can do um mm-hmm set like realistic expectations for yourself and live through the moments that you're really down or that you feel defeated by something and just take time to reflect on that take time that you need like the great thing about art and like art making and being a part of the art world it's it's something you're in for forever if if you really feel passionate about it there's there's no real retirement retirement age there's no there's no plan that you can really plan for it because you're doing it until you can't, you know? So you have so much time to develop the skills that you want to develop and just develop in any way that you want to. So just enjoy it and, and do the best that, that you think you possibly can.
0: Great. yeah, Great advice. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing, where can everyone find your work?
2: Um, I have a website that I should update more often. Um <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I think my website is probably potentially Instagram, but I would not really. really. Yeah.
1: So I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for doing this. It was great seeing you, even though it was over Zoom. It's been a long time, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm really happy we got to do this. Yes,
0: thank you so much. We love talking to you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for for having me. It's really awesome that you guys are are doing this. It's. That's really cool.
1: Thanks. We'll see where it (laughs) goes. Thanks.